Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi. I am one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Joining me today are Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is one of the associate pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio, and Mick Wells. Mick is the president of Wells of Salvation Ministries, and he is also one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And today's episode, I am going to call Christmas from the Bible. Have you ever noticed, uh, both of you, how there are many, many Christmas traditions um, I think we probably all have Christmas traditions in our family. Uh, Mick, what, what might be some of the traditions that, that you remember from your family, um, whether it be f- or from early years or from current years or whatever? Well, it was a time of joy and, and uh, family time in the home I grew up in. Of course, as you've mentioned before, I was, Pete, I was a preacher's kid, and um, so... Christ was at the center of, of the Christmas celebration, but I got to tell you, from a tradition standpoint in our home, my dad loved Christmas. He shared memories of his childhood uh, Christmas times over in uh, Indiana. And dad loved to give gifts to the, the little kids. That included me when I was a little kid. <laughs> it included my own children when uh, the grandchildren for my dad came into the picture. So as a result, Dad, one of his traditions, uh, Christmas didn't come once a year. He shopped all year for these these gifts to give at Christmas time. He enjoyed wrapping them. He enjoyed the reactions of the children opening uh, the gifts on Christmas morning. Of course, he would uh, read the Christmas story before we start all that. But opening the gifts that had been purchased all through the year, we would start at like 10 o'clock in the morning and get done at 2 yep. in the <laughs> afternoon. It just went on and on and on. So that's indelible uh, in my mind in terms of a family tradition. Yeah, we had uh, a lot of traditions. Um, I've shared before that um, I grew up in a family that wasn't uh, strongly practicing Roman Catholic for a long time. And uh, one of the traditions was, you know, the the Christmas Eve meal on Christmas Eve night would be at my mom's parents' house, and then we'd come home. And we, oh, oh, the important thing was we got toys at their house. We'd come home, then on Christmas Day, we'd go to my dad's parents' house, and all we got was clothes. You know, so that much, that much I remember. disappointed. Yeah, well, we were back then. Um, now I'd be happy to get clothes, you know, but, uh, but uh, that, that's, that's the difference between being a kid and an adult. But one of the, one of the uh, traditions that I do need to just share right now is one of them that has kind of developed over the last, uh, I don't know, however many, 10, 15 years in our family um, we recorded back in the days of VCRs. Remember those yes. video video cassette recorders? We recorded one time the movie The Christmas Story, and we tried to edit out the commercials or whatever. I don't know how much we edited out, but I mean, you remember the quality of VHS tapes wasn't the greatest. Well, 
somehow along the line, it started getting that my wife would want to put up the Christmas tree, because I guess they would put up their Christmas tree when they were younger, as soon after Thanksgiving as they could. And so it's kind of gotten to be a tradition that if it's not the day after Thanksgiving, usually it's at least the, the weekend of Thanksgiving. And my kids want to put up the tree while that tape of the Christmas story is playing. Well, those tapes started getting really old, and you know what? They're going to break our V... We don't have a VHS uh, player anymore, so we made a CD out of it, and so now they watch the CD, complete with all those horrible colors that were on the uh, <laughs> on the VHS tape, and my daughter especially wants to make sure it is that CD that they watch when they're putting up the tree. So, oh, Vicki, wow. do you have any uh, Christmas stories that you'd like to share besides that Christmas story that I said about the Christmas story. <laughs> well, Christmas was a huge family celebration when I was growing up and really always has been since then. Um, didn't grow up in a Christian home, uh, but my parents were so family-oriented. And uh, as our family grew and we all started getting married and having children, we still met at my parents' house. And I can remember she had two living rooms, you know, side by side. And by the time we started opening presents, you couldn't see the carpet on the floor, you know, <laughs> or you're trying to, you know, make balls that, so that you could throw out of the paper, you know, and hit someone with it. <laughs> that would be flying through the air. But it was always a great time family celebration. And, and I took that into my family um, to, you know, making it very family oriented. And uh, we became believers and uh, we would um, Christmas Eve read the Christmas story. You know, that became a tradition for us. And. Um, I think it was last year, I had one of my grandchildren, and he was staying all night with me uh, Christmas Eve because his parents were working and everything. And so I got to read him that Christmas story you know, on that night, so it was just a, a very special time. Well, that goes really quite well as a segue into what I wanted to get to talking about today, because even when reading the Christmas story, if you're not reading it right out of the Bible, just think about how many different things that uh, we, we've seen, not just in our culture, but just over the years that have developed. I mean, do either of you have nativity scenes at home that you put up yes, um, for, for Christmas? I and mean, we do too, things like that. And, and so one of the things that, that I thought I'd just share is kind of a quick rundown of it's kind of a combination of biblical and extra biblical and traditional and where did this come from type of thing um, about what what we look at Christmas as in in, in culture today. So it's kind of like this. Um, There's that nighttime annunciation to Mary with Mary being afraid of the angel's appearance. Then the angel visits Joseph through a dream saying, no, 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 don't get rid of her. then there's this taxation decree by Herod saying, you have to pay your tax, so you have to go to Bethlehem. And so they get on this donkey. He's always a donkey. You ever notice that? Yep. They got on a donkey, and the big question always was, did Mary ride that donkey, or did she walk along beside of it, or how did that work? And well, Listen, no- I just want to say there, as a woman who's had two pregnancies, that I yeah. feel sorry for her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the back pain and the rib pain. <laughs> exactly. And, and that goes exactly to what I was going to get at next is, is she's always portrayed as being in labor during this trip. Now, you know how long that trip was in reality? She's not in labor, but she's very uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> Believe right. me. Right. But I mean, it seems like the movies and everything you see, she's just about to give birth the moment she steps foot in Bethlehem and she's been in labor and she has to go to all of these different 
inns, all of these different, we call them motels now in Bethlehem, and they're knocking in all the doors, and none of them have any have any room, but there's finally this nice stable or this nice barn. And you look at our, our nativity scenes that we have at home, and they're probably all portrayed like as a wooden type of, of place like that. And then the baby Jesus is born, but here's the important part. He doesn't cry. Baby Jesus does not cry, remember? But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes is one of the one of the uh, Christmas carols that we sing. And then the angels appear in the sky to the shepherds, brightly lighting up the field. And so the shepherds come running to the stable, and when they get there, the star of Bethlehem is glowing brightly and putting this beam of light down on this stable, which also led the three wise men to the stable while the shepherds were there. And Herod hears of this, and he immediately kills or immediately orders all these babies killed. And that I'll just stop there. But I mean, now, what I just said, I mean, we've been laughing, we've been enjoying that. Part of that is very, very biblical. But part of that is embellished. Yes. Part of that is how things have become imagined. And, you know, one of the things I'm thinking of, you know, Vicki, we were laughing about the donkey ride. The Bible doesn't say anything about the, whether there was a donkey or not, you know? And one of the things that makes me think of that is the picture of how many Christmas cards have you seen with with Joseph leading a donkey with Mary sitting on it? And it's a Christmas card that people are, are sending to each other. Well, where did we ever get the idea that there was a donkey? But almost every time there is a donkey on that trip. Well, probably because they probably had a donkey to bring with them or whatever. Well, but, I hope she had a donkey because she probably had swollen feet. Yeah, I'm sure she did. <laughs> she probably rode in some way, shape, or form. So, But but here's the point. I just want to say you can tell you've never been pregnant. <laughs> oh, I know I haven't. And, and I'm thankful for that. I remember, I remember when we did our program on Thanksgiving. I guess I should have been thankful for that, that I've never been pregnant. So uh, this is going to be one of the live discussions I can tell I think we're gonna be having a lot of fun with this one so but here's the point that I'm getting at sometimes these things sound so fantastic like how could that ever have happened you know is this really something we can believe in well here is the point of what what Christmas is about Galatians 4 4 and you hardly ever hear Galatians read during Christmas but just think about this, what it says, Galatians 4, 4, the first part says this, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Now, I'm just stopping the verse right there and saying the time had fully come. What that really means, the essence of what that means is it was just the right time or it was the proper time. And what do I mean the proper time? Well, I mean the proper time in history. There was the big picture, and there was the more narrow picture about what made this the right time. And Mick, I'd like you to show, share uh, Matthew 1, 17, talking about the big picture in time here. Sure. Uh, these words in the scriptures, uh, Matthew 1, 17, precede Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. It says, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Now, how about that? That wasn't just some willy-nilly, okay, well, you know, maybe around this time he'll be... No, 14 generations. Precision. Follow, exactly, precision. <laughs> and the big picture is, now is that time when the time had fully come, the proper time, the right time. So when Jesus was born, it was 
the right time. But more than that, there are smaller things, more, more different prophecies, for instance, that were done. And Vicki, would you read for me from Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27? In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so right in those two verses, look at the different prophecies about Messiah that have been fulfilled. You're looking at he's somebody from the line of David. Mick, that's kind of what you were reading about was the line of David right. um, in, in Matthew chapter 1. He was from Nazareth. Okay, well, what, is, what does Nazareth have to do with it? It was a virgin birth. Well, how about this? The uh, Nazareth, you know, it says he shall be called a Nazarene is what uh, Matthew 22, or excuse me, Matthew 2, 23 says he will be called a Nazarene. Where does that come from? It comes from this passage in Isaiah. In fact, it's Isaiah 1 through 3. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, where do you get Nazarene out of that? Well, the uh, word for a shoot or a sprout is from a, a word that has the, the sound nezer, which we would say N-E-Z-E-R, nezer, that became Nazarene. Oh. So that's where that comes from. Now, before I go on, you know what we have to do? We have to take a break. So it's time for a break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back as we discuss uh, the Christmas story here on Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi back with you as we are discussing the Christmas story here on Reconciling Grace. And we had just been talking about Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, which Vicki had read for us, talking about the different prophecies that were fulfilled in that verse. And we just talked about Jesus being from the line of David, from Nazareth being a Nazarene. And then there was one more thing that I wanted to get us to look at that was fulfilled um, in, in that particular two verses. And Vicki, would you just read to us from Isaiah seven fourteen? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. There we go. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And that's what happened with Jesus. So there are so many different things about this. I could get into the whole idea of um, customs, of betrothal back then as compared to today. I mean, Things are changing today when it comes to getting married. I mean, back when when the three of us, who are almost the ancient of days, were kids, it was you would get engaged, then you would get married, and then you would move in together. Um, I think over half of the people, I think statistics say now in the United States, um, live together before they get married. So things are changing, but they're still a lot different than they were back in the day when, when Jesus was born. Um, there was a whole betrothal process. It would take about a year from the time that the marriage was decided upon and the, the 
um, husband-to-be would go and prepare a place for his wife. Just think of that. There's a little bit of uh, biblical um, illusion in there, isn't there? Just that alludes to the to the fact that Jesus is going away to make a place for us. Mm-hmm. And back then, the idea was that being betrothed was more than what we would consider being engaged. Being betrothed had the, the power of marriage to it. You actually had to get divorced from a betrothal. It wouldn't be just like it is today. Oh, well, here's your ring back. I don't want it anymore. It, it, it was a, a big thing going on there. And the fact that Mary was um, with child, was pregnant, and Joseph knew it wasn't his. I mean, he understood that kind of stuff. But uh, he married her anyway. Why? Because that angel came and visited him in a dream and said, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Ms. New Pete, I just want to interject there. It's no wonder. I mean, God, he always knows what he's doing. But look at the two people that he chose. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary, you're highly favored. It's the first thing the angel said to her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was a virgin, so, you know, she wasn't denying what was going to happen. But then she said, um, well, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. So she wasn't doubting or anything like that or not in agreement with it. But then as soon as it was explained to her, remember her words, you know, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. You see that obedience right away and that acceptance of the situation. But to go along with what you're talking about, betrothal was what I'm getting at. Think of her situation, you know, way it was back then. And and now she's going to be with child and she's going to have to endure that. So I think that that was the same kind of uh, society back then, how it was years ago, you know, when you got pregnant, it's not so much uh, as big of a deal in our society, but it was for her, Mm -hmm. you know, and here she is. Knowing that in her mind, what it's going to be like, yet she's saying, okay, you know, your will be done. Right. And so I thought that was an amazing that, thing. That she's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. And she's, she was a remarkable woman, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about that. And yet Joseph's going, wow, this, this child's not mine. That seems unbelievable what she's saying to me. But as soon as he had the dream, mm-hmm. he was obedient to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think it's such a great example. But their life wasn't easy. You know, I think that that's another thing that we don't see in the scriptures is what they endured, what she endured mm-hmm. by being found pregnant. And, you know, they're not going to believe she's a virgin and this has happened this way. I have a question, maybe a rabbit trail here. But were the marriages back then arranged by the parents? I think probably some were. Some may not have been. I, I really don't know. I, I wonder mean, if I've this read, one was. Well, see, know. the thing is, I've read different things about it. And so I don't know that I have been able to find that that answer just because the the sources that I've read don't agree. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, gosh, I, I just don't know. It's just there's just so much information. Some say yes, some say no. Um, we really don't know that, do okay. we? So, um, but getting along what what you were saying there, Vicky, you know, Mary could have been killed for that because right. if she would have been found to be unfaithful to Joseph, mm-hmm. she would have been killed. Now, this is really dating me because back in the year, I think it was about 1988. I got to play Joseph in a play called The Earthly Father, and it portrayed Joseph as having been told by Mary that she's with child, and she's, and Joseph is sitting here saying, oh, but it's okay, Joseph. I'm <laughs> pregnant with the Son of God. An angel told me so. You know, and it's like, yeah, right. You know, I can't remember all the lines anymore, and, um, you know, but still, it was just one of those things where... Imagine what Mary had to go through 
wondering how Joseph was going to react to this. And see, you know, that God's going to have us do things in our life, you know, won't be that, but have us do things in our life where, and we've probably experienced these things, I know I have, where people don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but you're walking in obedience to Christ. And so you Mm -hmm. have to follow him no matter what. And somehow it's going to work out, Mm -hmm. you know, for good, for God's good. It may not work out for earthly things the way you want, but... But anyway, the important thing to learn from that is, is we need to follow Christ or no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter what God asks of us. And that's what we see of that example, even though she knew that this was going to be huge. Right. And she, in had, her no, personal life. she had no question in her mind either because an yeah. angel told her, right? Because we all know that that angelic angel came in a beam of light in the middle of the night and she just was awed by that because the Bible tells us that she was afraid of the angel, right? Or is that really right, Mick? What does the Bible say? Well, you know, um, Luke chapter 1, verse 29 gives Mary's reaction after being greeted uh, by the angel. The word says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So, you know what? It doesn't necessarily show that the angel was some ethereal-looking being. It may have just been somebody who looked like a human being and wondered, what is this person saying to me? I'm kind of I'm kind of bothered by this. And and we see this kind of thing happening in the Old Testament. Remember that angels appeared to Abraham and to Lot in in Genesis 18 and Genesis 19 and according to the Bible they looked like human beings. Do you think Mary recognized the angel as an angel? That's that's what I'm getting at is I don't know for sure right away. I'm sure that she came to understand that that's what it was. But but if you look at Hebrews 13, verse 2, we read this. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. But I was thinking, that's a tall order if you think it's just another person mm-hmm. to accept and guide your life by the message that was given to her right. it was almost implicit that she recognized that the angelic messenger sure and and i think but i believe that there's there's got to be a big element of faith there because you know what joseph also saw something understood something both of them did to make them realize that this was a messenger of god and that's what an angel is is a messenger mm-hmm. of god so right. they understood god's word in there well, you know, I think that he said that he was sent from God and that he was Gabriel. I think that might be in Luke. I haven't looked it up here. I looked up Matthew as the wrong one. But, you know, he did say that mm-hmm. his name, you know, to her. Right. Uh, and so I think that it had to be, you know, a form of an angel. I'm not saying it's the big wings or everything we see on the back, but I, she had to know that it was something different other than a person. That's right. And, and you know, something convinced her. Right. Something did convince well, he said, her. He, you know, right. I'll, I'll look that up. Right. Well, whether it was, her, whether it was his, his words, whether it was his appearance, something did convince her. And the bottom line right. is she acted on that faith because just because even if it is an angel, you know, the, the Bible tells us that, that the devil runs around as an angel of light to deceive people. Mm-hmm. So there was something within her that understood by faith that she was actually going to be um, the mother of the Son of God. Right. Yes. So that's there too. So, you know, we, let, let's have a little bit of fun here. We have a few minutes here. Let's get at this here. How about some of the other traditions? How many inns 
or hotels were there in Bethlehem? Well, there was the Motel 6, the Holiday Inn. <laughs> well, the Motel 6 left the light on for them, right? <laughs> that's what how they I, found it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What I read indicated that the, the translation uh, commonly calls it an inn, but uh, another view of, of the root word says um, there was no room at the place they were planning to stay, mm-hmm. right. and it wasn't called... Uh, an inn or a ramada or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere where it even said that Bethlehem was too small. There probably wasn't any inns, but that word can mean a tent, a tabernacle. It can mean a shelter, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of thing like that that they actually stayed in. And and how Joseph was from Bethlehem, and maybe he yeah. already had arrangements. His family was there mm-hmm. to stay. It could have been his family's home. Right. And, and then again, how many people were coming to Bethlehem, we don't really know, because it was this, this decree of Herod saying you have to go back to the home of your ancestors, and Bethlehem was for the city of David. Well, how many, how many descendants did David have? And, and I'd like to say this back when I was um, in, in the big, big town of New Lebanon, Ohio, big population of about 4,300, about 12 miles west of Dayton. There are no motels in in New Lebanon. Now, if you're saying you're going to go to Dayton, that's one thing. But if you're going from Dayton and you're going to be in New Lebanon, you probably won't stay in a motel or in an inn. You'll have to stay with somebody or you have to stay outside of the town. And the point is, maybe there just was no room because there were no motels. And he's just saying, hey, somebody, you know, help me out here. And now here comes Joseph and he's told that there is a place to stay with the animals. Was that in a stable? Was that stable made of wood? What I read was that back there and then it was common to have a place, a room in the house somewhere for animals to mm-hmm. uh, to take refuge and thus a manger would be somewhere near a crevice in the house where they mm-hmm. uh, lodged. I read that as well. There was two levels Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, you stayed on the people stayed on the upper level, and the animals were on the lower level. Mm-hmm. And so, what was that manger that people? How many people talk about a manger other than in the Bible story, the Christmas story? What is a manger? Well, it's a place that animal feed is kept right. for the animals. And in fact, the the song says the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. You know it. No crying he makes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody speculated that the cow was mad that they took his food <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> it gets crazy. But, you know, if, if they had to stay in that lower level, which makes sense, mm-hmm. because there wasn't any place upstairs if a lot of family was around and they put them down there, then it would make sense that they would clean that out because they, they wouldn't have had a crib. Mm-hmm. And so they, mm-hmm. they cleaned that out and put sure. baby Jesus in there. But you know what we would call it today? Not a manger. We call it a feeding trough. That's that's what it was. It was a feeding trough. And I mean, the baby Jesus, the God of the universe in human form, is laying there in the place that the cattle were drooling on just probably a few minutes earlier. Yeah. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. What a great description of Jesus, mm-hmm. a person of humility is what he was. And right. He was born in humble means. Mm-hmm. And that's just scratching the surface, folks, of all the things that we could be talking about because some of these ideas, some of these stories have just kind of grown and become what I would call almost so fantastic in the minds of some people that they're almost unbelievable. But you know what the real point is, is that if we rely on what the scriptures tell us, 
we see that the real things that happened, the particulars, all those prophecies, things like that, um, that, that they are very credible. They really could have happened. Just like a, a room in the back of a house or on the second floor, a lower floor of a house. Why not? That makes sense. Those kinds of things are very credible and they are believable. And most of all, we have to remember that Matthew 121 tells us why Jesus was born. And that was to save his people from their sins. Amen. So I tell you what, we are about out of time. I have really enjoyed this uh, episode today. So Vicki Cundiff, one of the associate pastors at uh, Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Mick Wells, the co-host of Cross Connection Radio Program and member and president of Wells of Salvation Ministries. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Have a blessed Christmas. Thank you for joining us. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.